0: Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17, says, The 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows who the son is except the father. And no one knows who the father is except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. going to try to be brief this morning. Uh, three things I want to share with you um, this morning as we study this text, okay? And there's, there's a lot here, and so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to cherry pick just a handful of things, but there's a lot to cover. So I want to focus on these three things. First, I, I want you to understand this morning that Satan is a fallen creature and that you have the power to fight him, Okay. Satan is a fallen creature, and you have the power to fight him. So the 72 come back, and they are pumped. There's no other way to describe it. They they are on fire. They they, they come back, and they can't believe what they were able to do in Jesus' name. They come back, and they are full of joy, and and they're like, Jesus, Jesus. Like, you wouldn't believe it, okay, when they're talking to Jesus, but this is, this is how it comes, like, you wouldn't believe it, Jesus. Even the demons that we encountered along the way submitted to us in your name, right? And that word in the Greek is telling, that word submitted is actually a, a Greek military term. It, it means um, to fall into rank or arrangement. It means to willfully yield to another's authority, And that's what happened. The 72 go out, and and, and in the authority of Jesus behind them, the demons surrender, right? They're willfully yielding to the disciples' authority. And this is a big deal for the disciples because they've never seen Satan defeated like this firsthand. These guys have never, these 70, they've never seen Satan defeated like this with demons smitting to them right and left. They are shocked. But guess what? Jesus isn't. Jesus has indeed seen Satan defeated already. Look at verse 18. He replies, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, right? He he says to his disciples, Satan has already been defeated once. Right? You're in shock because he was defeated at your hands. But I tell you, he's already been defeated once. He's already fallen from heaven. And guess what? Now that the kingdom of God is here, he's going to be defeated again. That's what the kingdom of God means for Satan. It means defeat. Friends, that's why he fights so hard to keep us from understanding passages like this or passages like the Great Commission that teach us that Jesus has given us all of his authority and heaven and earth to fight this fallen creature, this liar, this thief. Far too many people today feel like the devil is indestructible. Maybe you're one of them. You're like, I don't even want to talk about it. That makes me uncomfortable. He's so powerful. So many people today, they feel like he's indestructible. They think that he is just too strong to stand up to, that their only option is to run, but the Bible actually has another battle plan. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourself unto his authority. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. AK, when we submit to the authority of Christ, that Christ gives us his authority, and that we have power over the devil, that we don't have to run. Rather, we are the ones that send him running. There's another battle plan. For this enemy. That's power friends. To say Satan I cast you out. Of my home. Of my marriage. Of my finances. Of my fears. You have no place here. These areas belong to Christ. And to his authority. So go. Maybe you've never believed. That you possess that kind of power. Maybe you've never seen Satan defeated like that firsthand in your life, but I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus has. And in this passage, he reminds us of that. I saw him fall. And he will fall again. He'll be utterly defeated. Okay? The kingdom of God has come. Satan's reign is done. We have the power to fight. That's the first thing I want you to understand. I think most christians don't understand they don't don't believe they have the power over sin but you do you have the power you have the authority to defeat the demons that plague you plague your life you really do in christ okay second thing i want you to understand though power over satan and sin is great but our position in christ should be our true source of joy Power over Satan and sin is great, but our position in Christ should be our true source of joy. Verse 17 through 20. 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written. And heaven, so the 72 come back and they're pumped up about the power that they had over the enemy. It's the first time that it's the first thing they can talk about. I mean, they're just like, oh, my gosh, Jesus, guess what? We had power over the enemy. I mean, they are pumped. This is a whole new level for them. And Jesus responds with this great teaching moment. He says. I saw Satan fall firsthand. I mean, that's what they're talking about. Listen, we saw Satan defeated. And Jesus is like, I saw him defeated the first time. Now that my kingdom has come, you're going to see this too. It's going to happen. But then he warns of this. He says, but don't let this power over Satan become your source of joy. Another way to say that is don't, don't let this victory, these victories, be your source of joy. Re- rather, rejoice in this truth. Through me, you have become children of God. Right? This, is, this should be your source of joy. Your names are now written in heaven. Where they can never be erased. This should be what you rejoice about. Rejoice about that. Let, let that unshakable, unchangeable truth be your source of joy. Now, why does Jesus say that? Is he trying to rain on their parade? I mean, come on. They, they just had the best mission trip ever. I mean, I mean, let's be honest, testimony time is, is, is awesome. They're, they're, they're back with Jesus talking about how amazing uh, and how powerful they were in his name and how even all of the demons had to submit to his authority. This was the best mission trip ever. And, and here now Jesus immediately goes to teach them like, yeah, but don't be joyous about that. Is he trying to rain on their parade? Is that what's going on? Is, is he trying to quench their spirit? Absolutely not. Rather, he wants to teach them an important lesson. He wants to make sure that their joy comes from the right source. That their joy comes from their eternal security, not their momentary victories. Say that again. He wants to make sure that their joy comes from their eternal security, their eternal position in him. Not their momentary victories. I want you to see this. If victory is their source of joy, if success is their source of joy, what happens when they fail? Right? What what, what happens when they lose? Because they will. They're human. Right? They're prone to wander. They're going to fall. They're going to falter. See, if victory is your source of joy, then you are utterly lost in defeat. It's the truth. I'm speaking to you, Christian, you know, that focuses on victory in Christ all the time. That's all you want to talk about. Listen, if that is your source of joy, if victory is your source of joy, you are utterly, completely lost in defeat. It's the truth. But if your eternal security, which is shored up in Christ, is your source of joy, then you can be joyous in the midst of your own failings, in the midst of of your own defeats, because those things don't define you. You see it? See, as a Christian, I will still fail. I'll still falter. But that's not my source of joy. My performance is not my source of joy. It's not. My position in Christ is my source of joy. And that is unshakable. That is unchangeable. Hear me. The, 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 the enemy, the devil, even though you have power and authority, right? We're going to lose battle every now and then, aren't we? Either we're going to go into it in our own strength. We're going to think, oh, I've got this. He doesn't have any. He can't affect me here anymore. We're going to let our guard down. We're going to fall flat on our face at some point. It's going to happen. And if it's all about my performance, then the enemy comes and he convinces me that I'm no good, that God doesn't love me, that God can't care about me, and that I'm not even really saved because look at what a sinner I am. And there's no joy there. In fact, what happens there is you end up living and camping out in defeat. But listen, my sin has been defeated forever. It's done. I I may still fall, but I'm not a failure, right? I'm not. My position in Christ is secure. It is unshakable. It is unchangeable. Not because of who I am, but because that's who He is. That is my source of joy, friends. That's why I show up on Sunday to worship. Because I failed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning, right? Because I failed all those moments, but I come to celebrate the fact that though I still fail, I am not a failure. Because of Christ, I am secure, unshakable, unchangeable. That's the truth of God's word. That's, that's what we, we just rejoice in, what Christ has done. That's what he did once and for all. He shored up our identity. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so Jesus, this great moment. Like, like, listen, guys, power over sin is a big deal. If you're here this morning and you're experiencing a power, uh, some kind of power over some kind of sin that's in your life, I want to, like, good job, keep it up, right? I want to encourage you. I don't want you to feel bad about it, but I'm just going to say don't let that victory be your source of joy because that's going to be momentary. Rather, let your position in Christ, the fact that you're a child of God, make that your source of joy because that will never change. It's unshakable. That's the truth of God's Word, okay? last thing I'll share with you this morning. I want you to see this is later on as we get down into the text. uh, Verse 22. I want you to see that we can't truly know the father unless we know the son. We just can't. That may seem like a different teaching. Some people would break it up. I I just thought this this all is, is part of the same moment. We need to Cover it together, but it's hugely important. Verse 22 Jesus says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one who knows the Son, uh, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. And I love this. You guys know what this says? This says that Jesus is unique, there is no one like him. Do you know how Jesus knew that Satan had fallen? How had, how did he, he, how had he seen it? How could Jesus have seen Satan fall? Because he was there, right? Because he was there, because Jesus is unique, because he's everlasting, because he's always been. He and his father and the spirit always eternally living in perfect harmony. And this scripture says his father has committed, has delivered, and it, the term means granted custody. His father has granted custody of all things unto him, unto Jesus. And they know one another in a way that no one else can, a very special, unique way. No one knows Jesus except his father. No one. And the only people that know Jesus, they didn't even have a glimpse of who he is, is because his father told them. Think about it with me. What about Joseph and Mary? Did they know who Jesus was going to be? Not until the father told them. Right? Did, they had no idea. Think, think about the shepherds out in the fields. Did they know that the Savior was going to be born? Absolutely not. Not until God told them, hey, the Savior of the world has just been born. Today, in the town of David. You need to go check it out. Right? Think about Peter. We just studied it. Did Peter know who Jesus was on his own and by himself? No, Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, because this wasn't revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Nobody knows Jesus unless the Father reveals that unto them. This is why we, we said last week, we can't go out and save anybody. This is what makes a great commission so great. Friends, your job is just to go carry the message through. That's our job. Just go carry the message through. God is the one in charge of revealing the truth of that message, not us. It's a big deal. No one knows Jesus without the father revealing him to us. Similarly, uh, no one can truly know the father without knowing Jesus, the son. Nobody can really know the Father without knowing Jesus' the Son. Jesus says no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses reveal Him. He's saying the Son has a special knowledge about the Father, a deeper knowledge about the Father. I was thinking about that this week. You know, a lot of people spoke at my dad's funeral, and a lot of people had great stories to share, and they all had, you know, and, and, and it was awesome. My dad was really important to a lot of people. Yet there was a part of my father that there was nobody else in the room could understand except for myself because I was his son. Because I'm the one that, that he held. I'm the one that he poured into. I'm the one that he called and talked to even about his worries and his fears. Like those are things that weren't shared with everybody in life. And so so until, you know, I, it was my, my job, part of that was to share some of those stories with them so that they could see another side in a greater way, much godlier way. That is what Jesus is saying here. Think about it with me. People in the Old Testament, they thought that God was unapproachable, right? They um, thought that that God at times was even uncaring or harsh, right? And so Jesus comes to reveal the truth about his father because people didn't really know him. That's that's the truth. The Jews thought that they knew God, but they didn't really know God. They, They only saw glimpses of him. So Jesus comes and says, no, no, no. God's not uncaring. My father, God, is love. That's who he is, right? He, he, he comes and he says, Listen, God's not harsh. He's not dark. He's not mysterious. My father, God, he is light. He comes and he says, Listen, my, my dad, he's not unapproachable. No, he's the God that comes down to be with his people. And Jesus stands and he says, you remember the great I am. And he stands before the people and he says, I want you to know I am here now with you, for you. I am the God who comes down, steps into your mess. I am. Jesus says to those people, I am here and I love you this much. Right? Right? Jesus teaches us the truth about God that we could never know on our own and by ourselves. In the midst of of your mess, I'm here. I love you. So what do we learn from those things together? What can we take away? What what can we be challenged to do? I'll give you a couple of things and and we'll finish up. Okay, number one, I I pray for some of you this morning that you learned uh, that you can stand and fight. Okay? Okay? Listen, it's time to get it out of your head, okay? Satan is not indestructible, okay? Sin does not have to happen. I had a conversation with a friend of mine that uh, probably a, a little more reformed in his, his uh, theology when he came uh, here at first, and he actually said, I, I believed that I had sin in my life and there was nothing I could do about it. It was God's plan for me. That's an error. <laughs> God doesn't want sin in your life. And he's provided the power for you to defeat it and to put it to death. He has. okay. It's a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. You want me to explain it? I'll just say it's tense. (laughs) There's tension there. I can't fully explain. All I can say is it's a cooperation. You do have a role to play in this. God provides you the power, but you actually have to go out and pull up the weeds. Okay, It's kind of part of the deal. And, and, and so you need to know this morning, if you're one of those Christians that has just been cowering in defeat and fear of the enemy, if you're just constantly under attack, and brother, let me tell you, I know what attack looks like, but it's been the summer of attack, that you can stand up at some point and say, enough is enough, you have no reign here any longer. Right? You, you can continue to rain down fire, but it, I, I'm, I'm not moving. I'm not turning. I'm not running. I'm not gonna quiver in fear. I'm gonna stand here and endure it and you can just go back to hell where you came from. Amen. Like at some point, you have to be able to stare down the enemy with the power of God's word and say, you have no authority on me. You can't change the unshakable truth that I'm not going anywhere. That God has saved me and that is not changing. You may win a battle, but the war is already won for me in Christ. I cast you out in Jesus' name. You have no room in my family life. You have no room in my thought life. You have no room in my finances. Go. Do you remember the word that Jesus spoke to the the demon-possessed man at the tombs? guy was possessed by a legion of demons. So many so that the demons went into an entire herd of pigs and jumped off. of Do you remember what he spoke? Was it a big eloquent speech? One word. Go. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Okay? So stand and fight. Two, as you do, as you start to see victory, don't forget this that victory can't be the source of your joy. Right? You know why they have the phrase off the wagon? He fell off the wagon. You know why that phrase exists? Because we sin still. Right? Come on, be honest. I mean, we, don't, we don't like to talk about it, but we, we do all the time. And it's not just having to do with alcohol or or, or drug addiction. I mean, we, we all have... Uh, sin is addictive. It's an addictive behavior. We You know, we're judgmental. We gossip, okay? We, we, we're supposed to love people, and the truth is we hate a lot of folks. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there, we could just sit here and name them all and all leave feeling real good about ourselves. Uh, but but that's the truth of the matter, right? And, and sometimes you're going to walk in victory, and you're going to do great. You can do great... Watching your mouth and not gossiping. You're going to do great. I'm not judging others. You're going to do great loving your neighbor. And you're going to be killing it for a while. And then what's going to happen? Right? So if your joy is in your victory, when you're defeated, you have no joy. You're lost. And what will happen is you'll feel like a failure. And you'll sit there for years in the desert, right? And I say in the desert because that's not the promised land. You're not meant to to dwell there. Do you remember that, right? That trip was only supposed to be a handful of days. Spent 40 years. Spent a lifetime. I know a lot of Christians, they spend a lifetime walking around in defeat and fear. Lifetime. Okay? Because they have failed, and they're letting that failure define them. That doesn't define you. Your position in Christ does. You are a child of God. Your sins are forgiven even though you don't always feel that way. Get up and cross over. You got it? Get up and start walking. Go claim the promise. It's already there. You just got to cross over. That's the deal. So make sure that your salvation is in your joy. uh, Your salvation is your source of joy, not not victory. Uh, Lastly, I want to challenge you to spend some time with the Son. There is something uh, that only Father God can do for you. It's hard to explain. There's a comfort. There is a security. There's a feeling of safeness that you can only get from your dad in heaven. And we know that because we experience those things here on earth, inklings, right? We experience a little bit of that, that, you know, there were were things that only my dad could provide for me, even though my, my mom is awesome. Listen, if you want to know your father in heaven, he is knowable. And you get to know him, ready? You get to know him intimately, how he feels about you the plans he has for your life, you get to know all those things by knowing the Son. The Son, Jesus, is the one that is going to reveal to you all of that truth about the Father. And so you've got to spend time with him. You've got to spend time with him. No one knows the Father except Jesus and those that Jesus chooses to reveal the Father to. And that's what Jesus came to do, right? He came to be that image of God for us, to show us who God really is. And so if if you want to know how God feels about you, it's right here. You just have to study. Go study the life of Jesus. Go study the words of Jesus, page after page after page. He's telling you, you are loved, you're cared for, you are pursued, you are redeemed, right? Take those truths and fight the lies of the enemy with those truths with those truths, all right? Spend some time with us, son. Would you pray?